Hey, seasoned athletes, I'm Robin Leggett, and this is episode 45 of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. This is your home for inspiring stories and motivational advice from competitive athletes representing a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We're here to prove one story at a time that age does not have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. To learn more about this podcast and see show notes from this or any episode, visit seasonedathlete.me. And if you like what you hear, I would love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Today's guest is Highland Games athlete and powerlifter Steve Middleman. If you've never heard of the Highland Games, listen to find out about this truly one-of-a-kind sport. And if you are familiar, you're going to love Steve's story about how he found his way to wearing a kilt and throwing around heavy objects as a later-in-life athlete. Without further ado, let's get to know Steve Middleman. Hi, Steve. Hi, how are you doing today? I am great. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is my pleasure. You are Steve Middleman of Long Beach, California. You're a husband, father, weightlifting coach at Momentum Fitness in Huntington Beach, and you're a competitive Highland Games athlete. You're a member of the Orange County Highlanders, a group that practices in Orange County and competes at Scottish festivals throughout Southern California. And you recently earned first place as a Masters 50 plus athlete at the Ventura Highland Games in October. Additionally, you have competed as a power lifter, winning a California championship, two state records in the squat and the deadlift, and a national championship. Is there anything vital personally, professionally, or from your athletic life that you'd like to take a quick moment to fill in? Uh, Yeah, I would say it's never too late to start. Um, I was not an athlete as a kid. In fact, I was the opposite of an athlete. And it wasn't until I was about 40 is when I found the Highland Games. And that's when I I said, I got to do this. When I I saw those guys out there on the field throwing stuff around, it's a a nine-event sport. And uh, I said, I got to do that. So I, I inquired and, and I got signed up and, and uh, here I am. It's been uh, 10 years competing now. How cool is that? And what I love about that, I love that piece of advice because I say it all the time. It's never too late to start. That's that mirrors my story a little bit. Not only is it never too late to start, it's never late, too late to start something that is different, that is unique, that if you see something out there that you're like, that is cool and I want to do it, what's to stop you from doing it, Right. Absolutely. Cool. So we're definitely going to get into this because I I know a lot of our listeners probably don't even know what the Highland Games are. We're going to get into that in a little bit. But first, I'm going to ask you the big question that I ask all my guests, and that is, okay. what is your what is your age at this moment in time? I'm 50 right now. Awesome. So let's start from the beginning. When did you start playing sports and what did your early athletic life look like? You said that you started late. So did you do anything when you were younger? Uh, no. When I was a kid, like, well, I, I did uh, soccer, you know, as a kid and. uh I guess elementary and junior high, and I was so-so, but not very good. But when it came to sports and school and PE, um, you know, I was always uh, picked one of the last kids. I was never a, I was not coordinated. I was not, um, I was not good at really any sports. So therefore, I, I kind of dropped out of that area. I, I didn't, I didn't know that there were other sports out there. I just knew what was on the, um, you know, on the agenda for what the school had to offer. Yeah. You know, I feel like every kid got into soccer. Like that's just the thing that happened when I was little. That's the only sport I ever played. It's like you do the, is it the AYSO soccer? And uh, that's that's what you do as a kid. And you're either, 
You're either good at it or you're not. And I'll tell you, I wasn't either. So right, uh, right. sounds like you were so, so you went a little farther than I did at that. And yeah, there's, uh, you, you kind of take the opportunities that are presented to you when you're younger, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So um, as you got older, were you active at all or did, what were you into um, as you kind of grew into adulthood? Well, I wasn't into sports and I ended up liking music. You know, I got, I got really into music and, uh, through a high school and, um, it, I didn't even start any recreational like weightlifting. Like in my garage as a kid, we had, um, you know, pictures of Arnold and, and Lou Ferrigno, the Hulk and all these guys in, in our garage. And there was a big weight set. My dad and my brother and his friends would work out, but it never really clicked for me. Uh, we have athletes in my family. My brother was, a, you know, he played football. And, uh, and did some weightlifting. My dad was a competitive, uh, he was a swimmer at USC. So I have some DNA for athletics, but it never, uh, never really clicked for me. And cardio is like something, you know, it's really foreign to me. I'm, I'm really poor at cardio. So, uh, and I didn't know what strength sports were at the time. It's, it's interesting that like there was so much sports in your DNA and like swimming, you said swimmer, right? Um, right. Com- right. That's a highly cardiovascular sport, and that's in oh, your yeah. DNA. And for some reason, it just missed you. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I'm 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 better I'm better at lifting something heavy uh, uh, three times and putting it down. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's what no more that's than three. No more than three reps, right. please. Yeah. That's the it. heavier the better, and no more than three. So that's exactly it. It turns out, you know, it, it is in your DNA. You just kind of unlocked it a little later than than the rest of your family. And differently. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wish I would have uh, found things like uh, track and field uh, shot put, things like that. Cause those are, those are bigger guys out there doing shot put and discus and, and, and those types of things and hammer throwing. And that is, that is, well, that's basically what the Highland games is, is a, uh, it's a version of uh, the, the throwing in the, uh, uh, in track and field. So were, were you into fitness at all? Like in your early adulthood or was it just sort of music concerts, things like that? Music concerts. I was I was into the punk rock scene in the eighties, and it was a it was a wild time. But right? as far as sport, <laughs> <laughs> you were in like the, the heyday, the heyday of punk rock. Yeah, it, it, especially in Southern California. Southern California had some of the best punk rock bands um, back in the day. It was uh, it was exciting. Every weekend we were doing something, you know, going to see bands at different places and whatnot. But uh, as for sports, um, they were kind of the enemy. You know, we were the punk rock kids in school, and the the jocks were the uh, they sat on the other side. Yeah, they were the culture, and you were the you were the counterculture. That's right. We didn't we didn't associate with them, and so they were kind of the enemy. So anything sports related was, uh, you know, I was very narrow minded about that. You know, in hindsight, you know, uh, we we just pushed all that stuff away, pushed that to the side. So I didn't have anything to do with uh, sports. That wasn't interested in sports. Didn't watch sports. Uh, didn't didn't even know when the World Series was. Didn't know when the Super Bowl was. Didn't know any of that. And and I was fine with all that. And what's interesting about that to me is you were involved in a very tight knit community, uh, and that was the Southern California punk rock community. And now you're you are involved in a sport. You do play with a club. And uh, do you see similarities in sort of the punk rock community and the community that you're in with the uh, Highland Games and, and weightlifting? Um, yeah, it's it, it's different but the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could have left off some of the stuff that we uh, did back there in the '80s and uh, incorporated different things. 
Um, <laughs> we, we weren't, the, we didn't make the best decisions, put it that way. We didn't always make the best decisions back then. Whereas now, you know, we're, we're older, we're adults, but the, the Highland Games community is a, is a, it's a great community. Some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. If you ever get a chance to go to the uh, Scottish games or an Irish festival or something like that, where they have the gathering of the clans and get to see all the families and the family heritage, it's, uh, really some of the nicest people you meet. I've actually been to several Scottish festivals and I've watched Highland Games and I'm fascinated with it. It's the coolest thing. So let's talk about what that is. Um, tell me a little bit about what the Highland Games are for the people who've never heard of this. So Highland Games is, a, to narrow it down, it's a, it's a bunch of big guys wearing kilts, drawing heavy things. And, and women. There's women out there, too. There's, there's women's classes. I've seen women compete. So what types, of, what types of heavy things are you throwing? So we are throwing... Um, we're throwing uh, what's called the caber. It looks like a telephone pole. I it literally love is the caber a, toss. It's my favorite. <laughs> it's a 20-foot pole. you got to pick it up, run with it, and try to flip it over end over end. Um, that's, and so there's nine, a total of nine events. There's the, the caber toss. There's two hammers, uh, a light and a heavy. A hammer consists of a, a steel ball on a, on a pipe, and you uh, swing it around and get some momentum and throw it as far as you can. Uh, there's the uh, stone putt, which is basically the uh, shot put. Uh, there's two versions of that. Uh, there's the sheaf. Uh, it's not the sheep. It's called the sheaf. <laughs> Be it's clear about F- that. S h e a f, and it's a it's a it's a hay bale almost. It's a bag, and you use a pitchfork, and you have to pitch it up and over a bar. And it's it's probably one of the most exciting events because it goes the highest. Uh, at the Ventura Games, I had it up to about 27 feet. Uh, one of the other uh, groups, uh, Joe Miller, I, he was up around 30 feet. Uh, he's in the 40s, but that's that's a pretty exciting one to watch. This is really cool, and it's almost as if it's like, I mean, it's clearly like an Olympic-style competition, but like based in farming. That's what it seems like. Like we, this is something that I don't know. I don't know what the history of this is, but it's almost like this is just what they did out on the farmlands back in Scotland, and it continues yeah. to this day like that. Like preserves the history of of this competition yeah if you if you if there, there's that disney show called brave um it's, it's a cartoon yeah the movie yeah yeah they do the highland games in there you'll see them because they're they're all out for the hands of the bride right, right. so they have the, the different families and they send the, the the strongest guys out there to throw stuff around to prove their their manhood trying to uh trying to, to get the princess but uh, she doesn't really want anything to do with that she has different ideas right. but uh <laughs> so this has been going on for Oh, I don't know, fifteen hundred years. They've been doing this. They've been doing wow. this a long time. It's so it's a it's a it's an old sport. It's a sport steeped in history. Oh and yeah. So how in the world did this SoCal punk rocker end up doing this sport? So my mom, who who loves uh, stuff, um, English, she loves things in English because she's English, uh, English, Scottish, Irish, you know, all the new Eng- or, or the the English stuff, um, Great Britain. Uh, she was at a Scottish festival, and she said, Steve, you got to come check this out. This stuff is a, it's exciting. So I went to one of them, and, in fact, it was Ventura, but it was, uh, I don't know, 11 years ago. And um, I saw those guys doing it, and I thought, you know, I, I go to 24-Hour Fitness, and I'm fairly strong. I could do this. I should try to do this. And being, me being a, a non-athlete and not even knowing where to start and very – shy about even asking how to do this stuff because I've never even picked up one of these implements. Right. Um, asked, well, I just went out there in the field and asked, asked one of the judges or somebody, somebody and uh, they, they gave me the directions and uh, 
uh, of where to go, who to talk to. And uh, four months later, uh, I was at the Queen Mary at the Long Beach Highland Games, and uh, that's when I started. Had no idea what I was doing, just went out there, and, and that's where I met a group of guys from Orange County uh, that were somewhere very, very uh, new like myself, and some of them were college uh, athlete uh, throwers who were no longer in college, and, you know, now they're working. And, uh, that you know, that's uh, – there's quite a few of those guys out there. They were – uh, throwers in college. Now they're working, but they still have that competitive, uh, edge in them. So they want to, they want to do something. So they, they transition over to the Highland games. That's so cool. And have you met people like you that didn't do anything like that didn't come from that background? Yes. There's people, we well, you know that really there's people from all walks of life. There's a lot of, uh, collegiate, uh, throwers, uh, they, they get out there and of course they do really well because they are, you know, how to throw throwing is a, is a definite skill that you got to learn. Uh, but there's a lot of guys out there that don't have any idea how, or, you know, guys and gals, I should say. There's a lot, actually, there's quite a few women out there uh, nowadays. Um, oh, don't think that I don't want to do this now. Like, I'm hearing this and I get excited by this, too. Oh, so. it's great. <laughs> yeah. No, you should, oh, these women are tough. Uh, yeah. I have some good friends uh, that uh, uh, they throw and they're they're su- super strong gals. Yeah, but, that's uh, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hearing a lot of parallels to my story. I swear you, you're living almost a parallel life to me because wow. um, you know that I used to play roller derby. Um, and yes. that's that's sort of the same story. It's like I found that I found it a little earlier. I was 28 when I found roller derby, but I hadn't played sports. And I just kind of looked it up online because I'd moved to L.A. and didn't know anybody. I'm like, what can I do to meet people? And I'm like, oh, roller derby. That's interesting. <laughs> I, I know how to roller skate. <laughs> And I went to a practice and I didn't know how to play sports and we were all kind of finding our way. And it actually attracted a lot of retired punk rockers as well. That particular sport. There's something about counterculture sports that attract counterculture people sometimes. And, um, and then as time went on, we would see retired figure skaters come see us and, and come, come oh. to roller derby. And they of course were naturally talented because they had, right. had been spending their whole lives skating and they come to this and find something new and interesting. So I, I just heard your story and I'm like, Oh, that's the same thing. And that's the same thing, but in different sports. So there's a lot of these sports out there. If you're listening and you may not consider yourself a traditional athlete, um, there's a lot of interesting, different sports that might just click for you, uh, in the way that Highland Games has clicked for you, Steve, and Roller Derby clicked for me. Um, so you never know. Uh, keeping an open mind is definitely helpful. Absolutely, and you know, um, com- competing out there on the field uh, at these different events, uh, some are bigger than others. Uh, I know the one up in Pleasanton. Uh, when you're out there on the field competing, I mean, you, you got people in grandstands watching. You got thousands of people on there. In fact. Uh, the one in Pleasanton has, uh, in the past few years, uh, the mountain from King of, what, uh, G- Game of Thrones? Oh, yeah. Bjorn, Thor, Thor, yeah. Uh, Bjornsson? Uh-huh. He, uh, he, he competes. In fact, he just got the world's record for uh, the weight over the bar. So there's, um, there's people out there that you wouldn't uh, necessarily uh, expect. And it's, it's, there's a, quite a few uh, spectators. And at the, uh, at the local gatherings uh, here in Southern California, I mean, there's probably, I don't know, 20, 40,000 people that come uh, throughout the weekend so there's a lot of people watching um and it's uh, it's exciting yeah it's so much fun the, the scottish games are always so much or the, yeah the scottish festivals are always so much fun there's always a, a fair amount of drinking at these festivals oh yeah and, and then they oh, and yeah. then that makes for you know rowdy fun spectating when you have yeah, a sport that, like this yeah. where where strong people are throwing giant things around it's so fun um so again right. i i can't yeah. 
Can't stay down. It's, it's been a while since I've been to a Scottish festival, but I need to go back because they are super fun and I love watching Highland Games. And I, I worry that if I watch one more Highland Games, I'm going to be signing up to do it. So I may need to be careful. Um, <laughs> so let's go back in time a little bit because we have a little bit of a disconnect in which, you know, we come we, we had the punk rock and the I don't I don't touch sports and I don't I don't know what sports are and I don't pay attention to competing in a sport. And you mentioned that you were going to 24 hour fitness. So. How did you kind of ease your way back into fitness, which then opened the door to a competitive life? How did that get started for you? Uh, okay, well, about 28 years old or so, I started uh, just going to 24-hour fitness and, uh, you know, just lift, lift, lifting weights like, you know, the, the bench press and the uh, shoulder press and curls and, you know, the basic stuff that you do, the bodybuilding thing. It's just kind of everybody kind of watches each other, you know, in the gym. You just do what the other guy did that, when you know if he looks yeah. good do what he does he, I, you know you might get the same results yeah i don't exactly know what i'm doing so i'm just gonna watch this other exactly guy. yeah right and hopefully he does uh so right. there was no there's no formal direction at all but i did that for a while like you know i got uh fairly strong you know um uh, not nothing uh, spectacular but i i met uh, a gal uh, amanda my wife uh at, she was a fitness instructor at uh, 24 hour and she was a uh, she's smoking hot and she had the, the big popular <laughs> classes, you know, she had 50, 70 people in, in her classes on Saturday, Sunday mornings, uh, in Huntington beach at the, uh, at the 24 hour fitness. And so, um, anyway, so that kept me going and then we got married and she had two kids and I had two kids and coming from my background, I will say that, uh, our family is the, a cross between, uh, uh the Munsters and the, and the Brady bunch. <laughs> So, so yeah, each had two kids, so we had four together, and, and so we just you know raised kids and we're working, uh, doing that, and so there was a there was not much of a, well, there was just uh, working out three four days a week um, dur- during that time and, until I hit forty, and I think there's something clicks at forty. Well, yes, I know something clicks. Something clicked for me. It yes. says, what am I doing and why am I doing it and what is my legacy? Like what? What am I going to leave? What are people going to think about me when I'm gone? Ha- have I done anything? And then I see these guys doing Highland Games, and it's like, wow, wouldn't it be cool to to be the grandpa that does Highland Games that all the, you know the the kids talk about things like that? So that kind of you know legacy kind of got me into uh, sports. Yeah, yeah, and I, it happens. It's a real thing. It's totally a real thing. It oh, happened. absolutely. I ran my first half marathon the weekend of my 40th birthday, because I'm like, I have to achieve this massive milestone. I'm 40 now. And then look at what's happening. Now I'm interviewing people who are over 40 and sharing their stories. (laughs) So clearly there's something to it. A couple things I got out of your story just now. Um, First of all, you were just going to the gym, just being gym guy, you know, following what other people were doing. It actually was life changing for you because you met your wife. Uh, Absolutely. So join your local gym, if nothing else, because you never know. Now I'm not saying join your local gym to hit on the instructors specifically, but you just never know what will happen. I met my husband through roller derby, so you just never really? know. See, mine was a little quirky because she was the fitness, right? She was a fitness instructor. And so I started stalking her and then, <laughs> um, apparently she likes stalkers. So I, I, I got lucky you. in that sense. I could have worked out really bad, but in fact, it turned out, yeah. it turned out okay. That's the funny story I tell people. I know Amanda. She's, she's awesome. Um, yeah. so you, you, you got a good one there, right? but, uh, not only did it change your life in that you met her, but it probably, you know, being married to someone who's in fitness, 
is it's a great supportive person when you start getting into things into more athletic endeavors i imagine right y- y- yes because my life is completely different um well i didn't even realize that until i'm just talking to you about it but between 40 and 50 my life has completely changed uh in in that respect because i didn't really know much about sports or or anything like that um i started doing that and then amanda is part of like the todd uh, durkin mastermind group um she went from being a um a fitness instructor working for 24. Uh, now she owns her own gym and it's, uh, it's her, it's her gym. I, I support her in that. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm the maintenance guy. I change the light bulbs. So it's, <laughs> it's her gym. I, I don't try to run it. Right? right. I do work at the gym, but, but it, it's her, it's her gym and she makes the calls and it's, uh, well, the gym is geared towards a little bit more towards women than men, uh, which, which is great because it's, it's her deal. And then she, she, she has aligned herself with very high-level people in the fitness industry. Yes, she has. Um, and you're right. She does all the trainings. She knows the right people. Uh, it's not because they came to her. She actively uh, pursues uh, people that are going over and above what normal people do. Yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah. so I... The, the Todd Durkin yeah, so, Mastermind is something I'm a part of, too. It is it is a game-changing right. uh, group. It helped her open her gym. It helped me open my gym. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's right, awesome right. to see people take that next step. And, and I love that you're supporting her in this in this dream. Yeah. And so, you know, with that, you know, of course, that, uh, that helps influence me. Um, and let's see, at about 45, I started... I thought to myself, I'd like to do Olympic weightlifting because I remember seeing the the um, the Olympics when I was a kid. Remember that uh, uh, Alexei Vasily, I think his name was, the yeah. big Russian guy back in the seventies, and then just watching that guy and how much weight he could lift, it was crazy. And he was he wasn't fit. I mean, he was re- really big gut, and they wear these little um, these little outfits, right? The singlets, the singlets that they're yeah. wearing. And <laughs> but it was, Anyway, that's uh, you know the implanted memory in the in my mind, and I thought you know I'd like to be able to uh, to do that. I'd like to be able to do to, uh, Olympic lifting, and so I I first signed up with a gal Kara uh, Heads, who was one of the uh, first women Olympic lifters when they started allowing women to start competing in uh, weightlifting, which is uh, kind of unimaginable now that they actually didn't have women weightlifting before. Don't know why. Well, there was a different time. You know, they, it, women's running did was is only fifty years old, so it's it's been a slow progression for us. Uh, it's, it's crazy. It's it doesn't even make any sense. I mean, women's weightlifting is is uh, uh, it's exciting to watch. It's great because these, these gals are uh, amazing to watch. But the, anyway, so Kara was my first coach. She uh, soon moved to um, uh, back east uh, uh, away, and so I I started going over to Waxman's gym here in Los Angeles, and that has changed me uh significantly because going from uh bro science over there at 24 hour fitness <laughs> just uh following the other guy you know bro uh, science, I like that. We, <laughs> yeah bro science just a bunch of bros just ho- hopefully you're doing the right thing um but now you know working with uh, a real coach who's got a scientific background because they uh they follow a lot of the russian um uh information that they they studied back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. There's a lot of research done on on weightlifting and and moving weight and the science behind it. Uh, so I started going over to Waxman, started learning. I'm not very good at Olympic lifting. Uh, I'm better at powerlifting. That comes nat- more natural. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I started Olympic lifting and 
I've become a, a weightlifting coach and I'm a certified weightlifting coach now. So, uh, I never would have imagined that I would be a weightlifting coach teaching people how to weightlift, uh, at this point. But, uh, but here I am. Your life has changed quite a bit since you turned 40. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just realizing that right now talking to you. Yeah. Um, I know it's changed a lot, but, um, yeah, it's, it's changed quite a bit and it's, it's all for the better. You know, it's, it's, it's great to be able to, uh, to work with, you know, what I really like is, is, oh, so the wife's gym, uh, momentum fitness in Huntington beach, it's mostly women. Mm-hmm. And I get to uh, teach weightlifting to women that don't know anything about weightlifting and they right. seen it and they go, Hey, I'd like to try that. Or they see those gals doing CrossFit. You know, those girls are tough, man. Uh, uh, and, and we get to, we get to teach people that don't know anything about weightlifting, how to do the basic movements and, and how to do the clean jerk snatch or, or even just squat or deadlift or whatever the, whatever the case is. And, uh, that's, that's really satisfying. I imagine that's, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a coach too, so I understand how rewarding that can be. Let's talk about that a little bit because, so you, you're coaching people who are very new to weightlifting and a lot of women. Um, have you had situations where they have eventually ended up competing themselves? Yes. In fact, we just did a, uh, powerlifting meet a month ago over at, uh, it was the, uh, Long Beach uh, Legends uh, Sports Fest, and we had four athletes compete in, in, in powerlifting. They did the deadlift only. So we took uh, four people as young as 17. We have a 17-year-old from modern day uh, high school. Um, and then Greg, our, our rocket scientist, he, he really is a rocket scientist. You're not just saying that. That's just not, that's not hyperbole. No, we have, a, we have a real rocket scientist in our gym. Um, and they shoot, right? They, they test and shoot rockets. It's crazy. So... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, they um, and he's forty uh, nine, and so we had a whole uh, whole variation of, of, of people, a whole uh, spectrum, and uh, so we did powerlifting meet, and we had uh, uh, Chris, who has never lifted any weights, just lost a bunch of weight. He was not an athlete himself, and he did a full power meet uh, at Metroplex in Long Beach, uh, which is the uh, uh, deadlift, bench press, and squat. And this is a guy that would never walk into a gym like that in a million years. Because, you know, if you ever walked into it like a powerlifting style gym, just the, the testosterone is palatable. It, it's so oh, thick yeah. when you walk in, it's, it's pretty gnarly. You know, they're dirty. They're, <laughs> they're, um, it's a bunch of, it's, it's a bunch of guys or testosterone. And, uh, it's really, um, yeah, it's bare bones. If you, if you it's ever, like, you know, it's in, almost industrial. Really yeah. Great. yeah. Yeah. It's really gritty. But, uh, anyway, uh, Chris did that and he did very well. He made all of his lifts. He went nine for nine that day. Uh, so that was, uh, the, it was a great day. So, uh, powerlifting is uh, a little bit less technical. Well, a lot less technical than, uh, yeah. Okay. Now you can't tell a powerlifter this. I'm going to get in trouble by, by saying okay. that, but so it's a little bit le- it. le- <laughs> it's a little less technical than, than Olympic weightlifting. But, um, Nonetheless, it's a, it's a great sport. I, I really like uh, powerlifting. It, it, it's a fun sport, and it's it's nice to be able to coach some people uh, through that. Yeah, and so what kind of changes do you see in people? I mean, you talked a little bit about the physical changes. People lose weight. Uh, they get stronger, but what kind of, like, let's go a little deeper. Like, what kind of changes do you see in people mentally and emotionally once they shift their training focus towards competition. Let's see on, on that, uh, on that note, they're, they're, they're doing things that they never expected that they would do or, or did they think that they could do? Um, 
Now, Greg, our, our rocket scientist, he, he knew he could do this because he was a football player as a, as a kid. He was pretty strong, whatever. But uh, some of these others, uh, like our 17-year-old uh, high school student, she uh, she only weighs like 120 pounds. And she's up to deadlifts of like 200. So right. um, it, it, it's a big deal for her. She, she now shows up into the football uh, training room with the other uh, with the football players uh, and, and lifts weights. She, she's lifting weights with the guys. And for her, that I, I believe that's a, that's a really big deal for her and, and her self-confidence. Cause I mean, what, what gal is going to be in there lifting with the guys? I mean, they're right. Uh, it, 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 it's intimidating. Yeah. That so takes a lot of confidence. And, and so yeah. that shift happens where it's like, I'm, I'm strong enough. I can hold my own with y'all. Yeah. Or, or some women, they don't want to be, um, I don't know, quite know how to put that. They don't, they don't want to be, the, should I say the weaker sex? Right. Um, you know, we that's, have stereotypes. That's the stereotype. Of, of, yeah. Well, I, yeah. And, and they, they don't want to be that. And you know what, that's what, that's what Amanda, uh, and momentum fitness, that is what she is. Uh, that's what she breaks down. She breaks down that stereotype of women should be here. Men should be here. Um, no, it doesn't need to be like that. You know, her, her thing is, uh, redefining wonder woman, you know, mm-hmm. and, and what women can do. Uh, so I, I, I like being part of that. I like being part of that because women can, they're, they're plenty strong. And if anything's blocking them, it's, it's in their, it's in their head. Cause maybe they listened to too much stuff when they were younger. Um, yeah. I, I know things have, Things have changed. You know, maybe uh, somebody that's 20 years old listening to this conversation might not understand it the way uh, somebody that's 50. But, uh, I mean, when I talk to my mom about uh, where women, you know, what women do and what men do, it's, like, completely different than what I think. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, that the kids are, are even more different than me. And that's the hope. That's the hope that, that, well, younger, yeah, yeah. that younger women are getting a different message. And I don't know entirely that they are, but... But that's the hope because it's definitely, you know, for older women, we've been fed a lot of trash <laughs> in our lives. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard to get that yeah. out of your head and to get get the, the, the BS that, that we've been given and that have that have ruined that has ruined the self-confidence of a lot of women. It's it's a big hump to get over. So um, I love seeing opportunities for women to show their strength and to develop their strength and to gain that confidence that, that just naturally comes from it. So thank you right. for being a part of that. Uh, Cause that's really yeah. cool. Um, and even uh, you were talking about the, the other guy that like wouldn't set foot in a, in a powerlifting gym. There's probably changes that have even happened in him that, you know, oh, absolutely. In his confidence and his belief in self. Yeah. Yeah. And there's yeah. a, it's funny because, because Chris, his, his wife, his wife lives back East right now. Um, she's a student. I believe she's a student. And so she, he's been going through some changes, uh, physical and mental. And she, uh, they only talk like on the phone. So she's not able to see, or she's not, um, uh, you know, when we see somebody every day, we don't really see the change because we right. see them every day. Right. It's like when you so, go to see your relatives that you haven't seen and they're like, oh, you've lost a bunch of weight yeah. and your partner hasn't like, even well, noticed. Yeah. <laughs> like what happened to you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So he, he's going through quite a few changes. And so that's, that's exciting. Hopefully she is, she's excited about it too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's right? always important for your partner to be supportive. Um, right. So let's talk about some of the highs and lows of your competitive career. Cause we all have them. And even though yours has only started about 10 years ago, um, 
let's talk about that. So can you take us back to your, what we call your worst competitive moment? So just your worst day competing. Do you have a moment like that? You know, it's, uh, especially with, th- with throwing, if you have an off day when you're throwing your, your foot, wor- your feet work are off and with throwing, everything is, um, it's very technical. So if your if your footwork's not right or your timing is off, uh, the implements just do not go very far. Um, I can't think of a of any like one specific like like I never really I've never bombed out. I think my training and my programming uh, has been good enough to where I've never like bombed out of a competition. I've done better in competitions than other days, but never a, a real bomb out. I, th- I think my worst maybe our worst moment, but it's not actually a moment, is being really slow to figure out the Olympic lifting. Like I figured I was going to go to this snatch better seminar, you know, learn how to snatch. It was a one day event. And uh, I figured I'd go there and learn how to snatch. Well, it is called um, snatch better. It, <laughs> well, well, it was. And I, I think I probably did. I, well, actually, I, I, then I realized that I really don't know what I'm doing. So I, <laughs> it was the awakening moment going, I'm not going to go to one seminar and get better. Right. Uh, it almost, hi- it, if anything, it highlighted your weaknesses. It, yes. And, and, it, and it highlighted my uh, lack of coordination and my lack of uh, athletic background. Um, for, for example, uh, somebody who, okay, we had a, uh, a gymnast. They came from, uh, um, Arizona. She was one of our trainers. Uh, she was, a, she was a, well, a collegiate gymnast, uh, um, really good. So she comes to my weightlifting class and she's doing stuff in this class that take people like, months to learn how to do. It's because of the, the, the mind body connection and the, and the awareness she had of where she was at all times compared to the bar. Uh, it, it was, it was amazing. And then I'm thinking to myself, man, this is just not, this is not me at all. I, I'm just not connected. Um, so it, it's, it's taken me a little bit. Um, but, but, uh, I think my one redeeming quality is, uh, perseverance <laughs> and I'm not going to be, uh, stopped by, uh, uh, by not being able to do something one day. I'm just going to go back the next day and do it again. Um, I, you know, that is my best redeeming quality is perseverance. That's a strong quality to have because so many other people would be like, well, this isn't for me. Like, I suck at this. Um, but you, your your reluctance to give up has probably helped you in a lot of situations. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's taken me from uh, I really suck at Olympic lifting to I'm a, a weightlifting coach. Uh, and I, I, I coach it pretty well. I can, take, I can get people to do the Olympic lifts um, somewhat competently pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, not a high level competing, um, level, but, uh, you know, just, just getting the basic lifts, um, get, got, got the timing, you know, things like that. Just, we get the basic uh, fundamentals down. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm pretty good at doing that. Yeah. And sometimes when people are slower to get the sport themselves, uh, it makes, it almost makes them better teachers because they're patient with the people they're teaching yeah. who might also be right. a little bit slower. Do you, do, would you agree with that? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah I, I, I feel their pain when somebody just cannot do a movement and you're telling them to, to do something and they're not able to perform that. Um, it, you, well, first you got to try to talk to them in the language that they can hear. So you have to use the, the correct cueing and the correct words. And sometimes that's a challenge as a coach is trying to figure out what do I need to say? So this person gets it. Uh, at the same time, 
they have to have some coordination. But if they if they're having the trouble with it, I I totally get it because uh, that was me. I know my coach get got frustrated with me many times. So it's like uh, you're not doing this. You know, we're telling you what to do, and you're not doing it. You know, they don't tell me that, but I can see it in their eyes. Right. <laughs> so. So yeah, patience. Patience can be a virtue when you're when you're coaching, oh, especially new athletes. Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked about. Not not necessarily a worst moment, but but kind of the the struggle you had in uh, picking up Olympic weightlifting. Do you have a best moment? Did you have like a day a, a day that you were competing that you're like everything is just aligning and it's awesome? Do you have one? Did you ever have one of those days? Yeah, I've had a few of those days. It's better that you have more of those days than the other kind. Yeah, yeah, no, a few of those days. Um, and I, I think those days were where I had specific goals, and, and they're probably more related to powerlifting. Um, because powerlifting is, is a number. Um, you're, you know, I'm trying to achieve a number. So I want to I deadlift 600 pounds. Um, so you, the, the training that goes into putting more weight on your deadlift or your squat, whichever you're, you're doing, or de- you know, bench press for that matter, uh, it, it's, it's intense. And, and the heavier the weight gets, the harder the training is. Uh, and I can tell from experience, from my experience, that 80% of 500 pounds is harder to train than 80% of 200, even if it's still your 80%. The heavier it gets, uh, the more uh, taxing it is. And it probably doesn't help if you're in your 40s either. That's probably, uh, that's that's also taxing on your system. But, um, uh, so, uh, sorry, hi- highlighted moments would be uh, when, I, when I had certain goals, like I wanted to deadlift over 600 pounds. And I did that with no problem. And that was the last deadlift meet I did uh, a year and a half ago. I wanted to, um, I wanted to squat over 500 pounds and, uh, I was able to do that with no problem too. In fact, I, was, I went well over that. So those were, those were, uh, those were great moments. And also when I got those couple uh, state records in, in powerlifting and I had to, uh, I had to cut a lot of weight, which is not advisable. I would never advise anyone to do what I did. <laughs> if you, you know, when you're 260 pounds and you need to be 240, 42, um, in, in a week and a half time. Yeah, that's not the healthiest way to lose weight. No, and and to keep your strength, right? Yeah, and to keep keep strength doing that, it's really intense. But uh, yeah, those would be hit, hit, hitting goals. You know, ha- having goals yeah. and, and hitting those goals, I think, would be uh, uh, my, my definitely my highlights. Yeah, and that's something anybody can relate to. If you have a goal and you and you hit it, it feels pretty awesome, and it, oh, and it yeah. shows and it yeah. shows that your training is working. You're talking a lot about. You know, you talk about how you haven't had a worse day because you trust your training. You've you've had good, good training and good coaching and good programming. So it sounds like you've kind of gotten into the science of it all and really you get that locked in and then it creates more good moments than bad moments. Yeah. You know, I, I think you're right there. Uh, I, I never second, I never second guess I, I could do what I was shooting to do because I, I had I had uh, uh, Sean Waxman. He does my tr- my programming for me over at Waxman's gym. Um, I, I never doubted for a minute that, that my programming was off. I knew my programming was was on. I just needed to do the work. Uh, if I did the work, I was going to get the results that I wanted. Uh, it was programmed that way, uh, so it was just up to me to come in and do the work. And if I did that, I knew I could get there. And I, well, I, and I did. I, I never um, uh, I, I hit all the goals, uh, the, the bigger goals I, I wanted to hit. Yeah. So a few lessons from that. One, get yourself a good coach. If you're looking to compete, get yourself a good coach Two, listen to your coach. 
and and yeah. do what your coach tells you to do. Um, yeah. And 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 trust the process. Trust the process, even if it even if it feels weird. Even if you're doing things, you're like, why are we? Why are you telling me to do this? There's a reason. There's a science behind all of that. Right. And uh, and yeah, the, the best competitors have coaches. You know, you're a coach. You coach people. You have a coach. I'm a coach. I coach people. I have a coach. Uh, it, there's a reason for that. Yeah. I think, uh, co- coaching is, is probably, I mean, if I were to give somebody some advice, I mean, co- coaching is, is really, um, they're really where it's at. And, and coming from 24 hour fitness, uh, years back, if you told me I was going to pay a couple hundred bucks a month, uh, for a gym membership, I'd say you're crazy. I'm not paying 200 bucks a month or, or more or whatever, whatever the price is. And now it's like, uh, I don't even know how to put a price on, on good coaching. Well, right, I mean, because I it's can, the value you can, yeah. and you pa- you probably pay it, but it's the value yeah. that you're getting from it. It's all about right. It's all about the value, and and it's worth it to you. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So you started your true competitive journey at age forty, which I still think is so cool. Um, what advice would you give to someone who is over forty and maybe considering taking their own competitive journey, whether it's a sport like Highland Games or in competitive lifting or anything really? Get a coach. Get a coach. <laughs> Get a coach. Don't second guess it. No bro science. You know, bro science is cool when you're 25 years old and you can, you know, you can, uh, you can break things and stuff. And, uh, but when you're, when you're older, see, I, I have a couple injuries, um, that I've been working with and working around in the past 10 years. Uh, I haven't had any surgeries, although I've had uh, multiple doctors told me I need some like, uh, rotator cuffs and stuff. And I just, uh, worked through it, PT, uh, things like that. Um, but uh, co- coaching, coaching is really uh, coaching is where it's at. That, that's the that's the one thing I would really really suggest because you don't need to second guess it. You know, there's no time. We're 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 running out of time. Yeah, we don't <laughs> honest, we don't right? have time to mess around right. once you're over forty. If you wanna if you wanna compete in a sport, don't mess around. Get get serious and get serious quickly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I agree with you in hiring a coach. It's it's a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially with uh, uh, strength sports, uh, professional strength sports uh, athletes. They, uh, I've heard a, lot, a few of them say they have like a ten year lifespan. Um, so, what do you do in those ten years? Is is gonna you know what, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna play around or are you gonna are you gonna really go after it? Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, my, mine's not just going to be 10 years, but I'm not, I'm not at a professional level, but, um, but you, there is a limited amount of time. So you got to get the, the best bang for your buck and then not spend your time screwing around and, and hurt yourself. Yeah. And as an older athlete, um, what types of challenges or even perhaps benefits do you find you encounter, uh, now that you're training and competing at the level you do in, in now in your fifties? Challenges are, uh, physical problems. Um, aches, pains, couple tears. You know, I had my knee, knee go bad for for a while. It was like nine months. My knee was not uh, cooperating. But you know what? When uh, my knee was not uh, well, that was a while ago. That was about five years ago. Uh, when my knee was having an issue, you know, it was time for doing uh, a little bit more shoulder work. You know, if my shoulder was having a problem, uh, then let's do. Then let's go back and do the more squatting. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a workaround. It's it's always uh, it's always moving changing, uh, changing with what ch- changing. So you can still, um, so you can still train. I know one of my coaches, uh, Ashley, she, she told me you need to train all of your training days, hundred percent of them. Even if you're sick, come in and just move for 20 minutes and then go home. But you always got to train. Uh, I don't know if that's the best advice, but it seems to 
worked for me. Yeah, just you just got to keep on. You have to be. You have to persevere. You have to uh, uh, don't let um, don't let. The, uh, uh, an injury or something uh, hold you back. I mean, there's always something we can do. Yeah. And, you know, fitness, I always say it's use it or lose it, right? Um, if yeah. You, if it's, it's almost rude that way that, like, if you take a few days off, it's almost like starting over. Um, I imagine that it's a little more pronounced when you get older, the, the use it or lose it of fitness. And so yeah. what, you said make, what you said makes sense. It's like if you can't train your legs, train your upper body. If you can't train your upper body, train your lower body, do your core. Um, if you can't run, get on a rower. You know, do what, do what you can do. Yeah. You know, yeah. do what, yeah. do what you can do to keep to move in some way because moving promotes yeah. mobility, which is so important as we get older. Right. So, have you discovered any benefits that you've encountered as an older athlete that you think you may have a, over a younger athlete? The mental state, the the, the state of mind you, you're in when let's see how do I say that the, uh, the state of mind uh, when you're older and you're an athlete. Uh, you talk to some people, or I talk to some people, and they're older and they don't. They got twenty reasons why why they can't. Well, they can't do things. Um, and you see people at, at different, you know, at the stores and they're not moving and walkers and stuff. And it's like, well, you know, how, how do you get there? Um, you probably didn't start out like that. I'm sure you didn't. Um, but you just got to keep moving and, and you got to keep at it. Uh, I, I plan to uh, compete, well, as long as I can. I mean, into my 70s, I, I see no reason why, why I shouldn't. I mean, I, I see people in the Highland Games uh, all, all through their 60s um, and there's guys in their 70s. And they just they just keep on moving, and and they they have a good they have a good mental state because of that. I mean, how can you not if you're active, if you're mobile, if you're strong, and probably stronger than all of your peers? Like, how could you not have a good mental state? You know? Right, right. Do you feel like you're in the best shape of your life? As far as best shape of my life, um, I'm not in terrible shape. Eating has been a problem for me. Eating has been a problem for me for a long time, and I, uh, you know, the the, the saying you can't outtrain your Diet. You can't out-train a bad diet. Right. Well, I've, I've been trained that for years. And uh, as a You're strength like, I athlete, will figure out how. <laughs> I am <laughs> determined. Right? That perseverance is uh, kicking in again. So I end up, you know, I end up uh, looking like a power lifter. You know, a lot of power lifters are overweight. A lot of Highland Games uh, athletes are overweight. And so it, it kind of, in a sense, it kind of justifies uh, the eating disorders I have or the inability or, or lack of uh, – uh, self-discipline to, to not eat when I'm not supposed to or, or whatever you call it. Uh, but that's, uh, that is currently changing. I'm, I'm down a little bit right now in weight. Uh, we're going to keep on going. Um, it seems to be a, a trend also in the, uh, like, you see some of these big strong men, these guys that were 400 pounds and stuff, and now they're, they're slimming down like 75, 80 pounds, some of like the world's strongest men guys. Uh, so I'm, uh, now I'm nowhere near, near their size. Uh, and, and mus- muscular density, but uh, it's time to take off some weight. You know, and I got some back issues. You know, and, and if I if I took another, uh, let's see, I'm I'm two seventy, two seventy right now. So if I take off another forty pounds, um, that it's got to help my back. It's got it. Yeah. So um, so that that's what I'm working on right now. So the cha- the the workouts are changing again because I got some back issues. You know, I have compressed discs in, in my back, so I can't. There are certain things I can't do. So deadlifting is off the menu for for right now, and has been for a little bit. But we're just changing it around again. So yeah. uh, I plan. So uh, I guess your question was, best shape uh, I've been in. Uh, give, give me a year or two. I think I will be. All right. So we check in in a year. You are on your way to being in the best shape yeah. of your life. Well, now it's gonna now it's gonna be on a podcast. I gotta do it right. You you said it. It's in the world. It's it's out. We put right. it out in the world. Podcasts are forever. 
So yeah, yeah, you got to you got to stick with this. You have just made a declaration. Now you got to stick with it. Right. So we'll right. check with you in a year. Uh, right. So uh, what kinds of competitions do you have coming up? So right now I'm just going to compete in Highland Games. Um, being busy with the Momentum Fitness, uh, and I'm working there on the weekends, and I take yoga there every Sunday too for my Smart. for my flexibility. Yeah. Yoga, I started about a year ago. I actually really like it, and I'm really bad at it. But again, perseverance. You just keep on. You just keep on doing it. My balance has got better. But uh, I'm just going to keep keep competing in the Highland Games. Uh, if you ever watched Highland Games, you might think, how are these guys not hurting themselves out there because of the stuff that they're throwing? But uh, out of the sports I've done, the Highland Games seems to be the least intrusive uh, on my body out of all of them. That's so interesting because you would you're right you wouldn't think that. Right, right. No, the the powerlifting just the overloading of weight is really um, can can be a little stressful on you. Um, but uh, but anyway, uh, so my next competition will be at the Queen Mary, uh, Long Beach, and that is uh, one is that that is in the Valentine's weekend. So that's in February. Oh, and I want to do Masters Worlds, which will be in Tucson. So I'm kind of prepping for that now. I don't get to train a lot Highland Games anymore because of the time at the gym, but it seems like my regular gym time, uh, just for barbell training. Uh, seems to keep me in good enough shape, uh, strong enough to where the uh, uh, I, I can do pretty well at the Highland Games. And the muscle memory kicks in, you know, when you yeah, yeah, you know that after yeah, after you get after you get some of that technique down, it, it's kind of like riding the bike. You know, you, you take a couple throws and you know you get the feel of it. And uh, of course, I could be a lot better. You know, if you want to throw farther, uh, throw more. Throw more, yeah. Right. <laughs> That's so true. so I may not do better, but you know, uh, I have found one thing about being a. Uh, an AIDS athlete, one of the things is, is who shows up. <laughs> when, you're, when you're over 40, not everybody gets to show up anymore. That's true. You know, some people, they just can't make it. They just, you know, they have good intentions like, about going, but they if they get injured or, or what have you, they just uh, <laughs> they can't make it. So uh, who shows up is a big part of uh, a big part of it. Yeah, so it's a, it's a matter of who you know who you happen to be competing against that day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, before we go, uh, do you have one parting piece of wisdom that you've learned in your competitive journey that you'd like to share with our listeners? You gotta find something you love. You gotta find something you love that requires physical adversity. Something that's hard. You gotta do something hard almost every day. Uh, I, I think. I, I really think um, it, it's in our DNA. I mean, we used to have to. We used to be running from lions, and we used to have to have to hunt. I mean, it's just a. I don't know what. 20,000 years ago or something. Yeah, just 20,000 um, years. Yeah. Right? Eh, just a couple days ago. But there's, <laughs> yeah. there's something in our DNA. And I, I think when we do things that are difficult uh, on a regular basis, um, the, the body responds to that. Uh, because I, I know the difference because I didn't do stuff like that before. And, and, uh, so I think um, just doing something difficult, find something that you love doing. Because if I didn't really like doing this stuff, then I wouldn't do it. Yeah. So, yeah, then perseverance. You just got to, just got to keep on stick with it. And, and, and that yeah. applies to, you know, you could, the, 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 something hard could be physical. It could be a sport. It could just be whatever you do for fitness or, you know, the thing that you love doing. It's like, yeah, people, people are often reluctant to go to the gym because they associate it with, you know, discomfort and pain and, and lack of fun. But there's just so many different things you could do related to physical activity. And it, sometimes it's just finding that thing that's yours, you know? 
Um, and for you, you you found it. You found it in lifting heavy things and throwing heavy things. And yeah. um, other yeah. people, it might be dancing and Zumba. You know, you just never know what that thing is going to be. But if you find it, it's a magical thing that can happen. And, and I agree, like do hard things, do difficult things um, yeah. because they help you grow as a person. The endorphin release is you know, otherworldly, you know, um, right. when, you, when you compete and you're doing things that are challenging. So that is excellent advice. Thank you for that. And yeah. finally, um, if someone wants to train with you, uh, learn how to lift or learn more about your gym and what you do as a coach, how can they find you? You can always uh, email me at steve at uh, momentumfitness.com. And there's a dash in there. It's M-O-M-E-N-T-U-M fitness.com. That's my email. Or you can just go to our website, which is momentumfitness.com. And remember that dash in there. It's momentum because you, you'll get more mo results. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Orange County, if you're ever in the neighborhood or if you ever, uh, if you're interested in the Highland Games, I can, I can point you to that uh, direction. The Highland Games is um, the uh, organization and in, uh, in, on the West Coast is, uh, well, there's a uh, SHA uh, is up north, and, but down here in Southern California, it's SAAA, so S-A-A-A uh, dot org, and they are the governing body for all of the events around here. And is that where you can, if you if you look them up, can you find out the, the local, like, Scottish festivals and, and local competitions so that people can come watch and or participate? That, that's right. They have, the, they have the upcoming competitions. You can also just e- email them. Uh, everybody who manages the websites, uh, they are uh, volunteers. And, and love the Highland Games and the Scottish festivals just as much as, well, that's how they got on the board, right? So yeah. uh, you can just email whoever's uh, at, the, at the other end of the, of the general email. Uh, they'll get back to you and, and help you out. But it's a super nice group of people uh, everywhere we go. And um, people are more than willing to, to help out. And if you have never been to a, a Scottish festival, if you've never seen the Highland Games, I can't recommend it enough. You have to check it out at least once. It is worth seeing. It is so fun to watch. And you never know. You may watch and you may be thinking, I can do this. I want to do this. And you yeah. never know how, how it might change your life, just like it did for you, Steve. Absolutely. Yeah. Steve, thank you for being on the Season Athlete Podcast. Um, I'm happy to say that you are the very first Highland Games athlete that I've ever interviewed. And I'm so Great. happy I got the chance to talk to you and share this unique sport with our listeners. And Season Athletes, like I said... Go check out the Scottish Festival near you. They're in every city, pretty much every city. So look up your local Scottish Festival. Check out the Highland Games if you haven't been. And Steve, thank you again for being on the Season Athlete. Thank you very much for having me. All right, Season Athletes, here are my top three takeaways from Steve Middleman. Number one, it's never too late to become an athlete. It's a message that has been told time and time again on the show, but it always bears repeating. Steve grew up in the SoCal punk rock scene, staying far away from the jocks and anything related to sports. But in his 40s, he found something that sparked his interest, and now he's living a strong, active life. Don't ever think that the concept of living an athletic life isn't for you. You just have to find your thing, whatever that is, and go for it. Number two, if you are serious about competing at any level, get yourself a coach. Even if you coach others, get yourself a coach. Don't go it alone and definitely don't rely on bro science, as Steve calls it. Proper coaching can help you reach new athletic heights no matter how old you are or how late you got started. And number three, 
do something hard every day. As Steve said, the body responds to difficult things. So find something you love, but make sure it's challenging and then stay determined and persevere. Your mind and your body will thank you. Thanks again to Steve Middleman. Thank you for listening to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music you heard in this episode is by my rock star friend, Jason Achilles. Learn more about him at jasonachilles.com. Do you know someone who would make a great guest on the show? Or do you have a unique and inspirational story to share? Shoot us an email, seasonedathlete at gmail.com. Check out our entire library of episodes and get to know our distinguished seasoned athlete alumni at seasonedathlete.me. And if you live in the Los Angeles area and are feeling super inspired to train like a seasoned athlete, visit rutsm.com and learn about how to train with me to help bring out the seasoned athlete in you. Now go out there and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow seasoned athletes, because you so can.